You're listening to the Seahawks Insiders. Russell takes the snap, steps up in the pocket, looks, has time. Now he's going to throw. Tyler Lockett looks for the ball. He's got it. Touchdown, Seahawks! Getting you ready for Seahawks football every Sunday. The handoff inside to Carson starts up the middle, now bounces it across the line. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks! Powered by Seahawks.com. And we do have another Sunday of football thanks to the Seahawks being in the playoffs. We're going to break it all down for you today. Jen Mueller, sideline reporter for your Seattle Seahawks, joined by John Boyle from Seahawks.com. And, John, we were kind of hoping that perhaps we'd be playing at CenturyLink Field this week. That's not the case, but in some ways, I I think we could find a silver lining in this. Yeah, you wanted, obviously, to win the division, and the Seahawks came about as close as possible to doing that without getting it done. Jacob Hollister stopped, oh, about an inch short of the goal line. But, as you said, if if there is a silver lining, it's that this team has been really good on the road all year. 7-1, best road record in franchise history, including a win in Philadelphia in Week 12. So... You wanted to win the division, you wanted to be home, but this group will feel great about the way they travel. You know, and in a lot of ways, the matchup looks pretty good against the Eagles. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But as you mentioned, coming just about as close as you possibly can to winning the division and coming up just inches short, Jacob Hollister on the, I'm going to say, four-inch line. I yeah, mean, it, it, it couldn't was, have been any more than that. And that was a couple that. plays after John Ursua caught a ball within half a yard of the goal. I mean, it was just to have two plays that close it's it's tough but it was tough it it was tough you know I think one of the coolest things that I saw in the locker room after the game was Marshawn Lynch going up to Jacob Hollister who gave a fantastic interview by the way after a disappointing outcome when you know that he was battling to get into the end zone and was trying to fight off some non-existent pass interference calls there and you know Jake kind of looked like he was hanging his head and Marshawn came over as only Marshawn can and kind of grabbed him halfway across the locker room and said dude it's going to be fine. You just do what you do and don't even worry about it. We'll get back on track next week. And to see Marshawn do that, he is definitely at a different point in his career. But I saw him do that to a couple of different guys, and it just sounds different coming from him. It does. And the best example everyone's been talking about this week because it got caught on cameras is he went up to the rookie Travis Homer and was telling them, you know, keep playing the way you're playing. You're inspiring me. He said that a couple times to him. You're inspiring me. And when you're a rookie running back who's all of a sudden thrown into a huge role that you didn't have all season and you've got, you know, not just a a good veteran, but an iconic figure in this franchise's history, you know, one of the best running backs of his era telling a guy you're inspiring me that that goes a long way for a young guy. It didn't just catch the fans attentions. It caught Pete Carroll's too. Kind of a classic mentoring moment, you know, when the guy that you look up to and then Homer does look up to him, you know, he, for, uh, you know, years when he was growing up, you know, he was, he made that comment, you know, that it was Marshawn was a big deal to him, and and uh, to have that kind of willingness on the part of, of 24 to, to you know to share himself and share and share his scars and all that, uh, and and pump him up and all, uh, praise him too, you know, all of that's really powerful, and and uh, it's a real tribute to Marshawn. And we all wondered what Marshawn was going to have left in the tank on Sunday. He hadn't played in over a year. And I tell you what, watching Marshawn do what he did, I mean, the first couple of carries were a little slow, but he breaks out for a 15-yard run. And then you just, you see he's still got the spark. He's still got the legs. Yeah, that was really fun to see. And that that third quarter drive, you know, as you said, there wasn't a lot of running room for him early, and a lot of those runs didn't go for much. But that third quarter, I think it was the first touchdown drive the Seahawks had, 
gets the ball, gets eight yards, they go right back to him, big hole opens up, and, I mean, the energy in that stadium when he had those back-to-back carries, the second one for 15 yards, it was really cool to be in the building for that, just how fired up. And then, of course, the touchdown. Oh, it's vintage. Jumping in the end zone. <laughs> press box was shaking. It was it was a good time, and, you know, would obviously it would have been fun if he could have got one more, but it's it's cool to see him back, and, you know, he should be ready to do a little more this week, too, now that he's got his legs under him a little bit. Because you know what? A touchdown like this in the playoffs, well, that would go a long way to silence the Eagles fans and fire up the 12s on the road. Two tight ends, single wide out is Lockett. Marshawn in the backfield. Marshawn goes up over the top. He's in. Touchdown, Seahawks. Beach mode does it again. Welcome home. Number 24 from one yard out. It's like old home week and Skittles come flying out of the stands at Century Leap. And just imagine what Marshawn Lynch must be feeling like right now, getting a chance to come back and play for a team that he led to the Super Bowl. And now to score, it's 19-13, the Niners. Rabes was fired up there, huh? He was. And you know what? We actually did not have to wonder what Marshawn was thinking during that moment. He talked to us post-game. I'm not sure that you heard. Are we going to play that sound? I don't think we're going to play that (laughs) sound. I'm not sure that you We don't have the dump button ready. All of the sound from Marshawn. But suffice it to say, he was fired up that the fans were so excited to see him. Yeah, he was feeling the love. And it's it's cool to see, like... Players come and go, and sometimes it doesn't always end as clean as you want, or there's different things. But the the relationship between Marshawn Lynch and the fans has always been there, and it's been strong. And to see him get to come back and have those moments, it's, I mean, obviously it's good for the team. They need it. They they needed some running back help. But it's cool for him that, you know, it, we don't know for sure, but if this is it for him, that if he can go out with a little playoff run for the team where he had, you know, the most career success, and it's a cool cool way for him to go out if this is it. And you know what? I think one of the best things is not only was Marshawn contributing, he had 34 yards, he had the touchdown, but it was Travis Homer who had 10 carries for 62 he yards. Great. He looked great. And and I don't think it's a coincidence that it gets a little extra coaching up from Marshawn and that you have that one-two punch, completely different styles. Even though Homer's a hard runner, you can't match beast mode. And I think the two of them were feeding off each other. Yeah, for sure. Like we talked about earlier, having Marshawn you know, in his year, giving him tips, pumping him up that's really good for him and then he's just he's a fun running back just how hard he goes for a guy not real big Pete Carroll is funny talking about uh in week 16 when he was the only running back available and he crashed into somebody on the sideline and Pete Carroll would tell him to you know maybe tone it down and pick his spots a little bit because he was all they had for that game but yeah he's he goes hard I think it was Pete Carroll said what was it? Discretion is not going to be. He's his not strong. his strong suit. Yeah. Yes. I, th- I think that's a great book title if he ever becomes famous. Oh, like well, maybe his one biography. Of us can yeah. yeah. Discretion is not my strong suit. Yeah, that'd be a good. You know, at the end of his huh. career. Let's just. Were... Yeah, let's bring that up to the rookie. See what yeah. he's got. He's he's not very verbose. No, he's during an interviews. So he's going to have but... to come up with. With a lot of words to put in that book, I think. Yeah, so Travis Homer is, I think, benefiting from Marshawn, and he is exactly what you want. I mean, you want Travis to be getting the majority of those carries because he knows the offense, he knows what's happening, and he is the running back of the future. He is going to be the running back that gets the ball most against the Eagles. And I don't know, I, I feel pretty good about this matchup. Yeah, Maybe I'm I mean, overly optimistic. Obviously, the Eagles 
you know, they did a lot to get to the playoffs. They've overcome a ton. We talk about all the injuries Seahawks have. The Eagles have had it even worse. But they have won four in a row. I mean, they looked they looked like they were hitting rock bottom a week after the Seahawks beat them. They lost to Miami, who's, let's face it, not a very good football team this year. And it looked like, you know, five and seven, they're done. And they rattle off four in a row, uh, granted against a, a not great division that they beat all, all, won all four of those games. But still, you can't go on the road, face a team that's won four in a row and take them lightly. A team with some playoff experience that won a Super Bowl a couple of years ago. But yeah, when you look at the matchups, when you look at all the injuries the Eagles are dealing with, the Seahawks, you know, they should be able to find a way. You might not have thought their, their opponents were all that impressive that they beat down the stretch. But Carson Wentz, during that four-game winning really streak, good. seven touchdowns, no interceptions. He threw for 400 or more yards in each one of those games. And Pete Carroll said, yeah, you can't look at the injuries and some of those numbers. you got to think that this team is coming in hot. Incredible job of regrouping and, and getting their season in order to win a championship. And they had they had a stretch throughout their division. They had four straight games in the division. They had to win them all, and they did. And... Uh, um, so, you know, that, I think that shows the direction of the program from the head coach and then all throughout uh, the leadership of their teammate, the team. And uh, they've got some good experienced guys um, and they, they pulled it together and did a great job. Where they don't have a whole lot of experiences at wide receiver, Carson Wentz is the first quarterback to throw for 4,000 yards without having a receiver that has 500 yards. Yeah, How that, about that? That's impressive. And, I mean, he, he looked pretty – let's face it, he looked pretty bad against the Seahawks, and we were all thinking, man, this guy's – is he really that great? But he's had – when you the, the raw numbers aren't that impressive this year, but when you look at what he's had to work with, all the injuries, their line's been beat up at times. He's had a really good season, and you mentioned he's playing well down the stretch. He had a ton of turnovers against the Seahawks, but he's taking care of the ball lately, and, yeah, that's – he, he deserves a ton of credit for where they're at, and it's I think it's going to be a, a tougher test for Seattle's defense than it was last time around. Yeah, he was throwing to six players on Sunday that were not on NFL rosters to start the season. Not on the Eagles roster, not on an NFL roster to start the season. And yet, as you mentioned, the Eagles can still do damage. And when you talk about the matchup, you got to look at the running backs and the tight ends. For Philadelphia, those guys have combined for 32 explosive plays. They're counting those as 20 yards or more. That is more than any other offense. The screen plays are a big part of that. How do we think it's going to look different this time compared to last time? Yeah, I mean, the Seahawks did a good job against the last time, and we all know, you know, having veteran linebackers like K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner makes a big difference when a team's doing that. I think probably the biggest difference from last time to this time is you mentioned all these new guys. Some of them have, you know, settled in a little more than... They were going through a lot of those injuries right about when the Seahawks saw them last, so there's a little less newness for Philadelphia, and that should help them maybe come together a little bit better. But, yeah, it's stopping that screen game that you mentioned is, is huge for the Seahawks. Well, and K.J. Wright mentioned it. I mean, it, K.J. said after the game in Philadelphia that, you know, they kind of knew that it was coming. Yeah. You know, it, they have studied. So there's a benefit to having Bobby and K.J. out there. Of course, you don't have Michael Kendricks, so Cody Barton's going to have to be on his game. Yeah, and he even said yesterday, he, he knows they'll look to come after him. That's how it works when you're the new guy. You know, it's like whether it's a new cornerback or, in his case, a new linebacker. The Eagles will look to find ways to maybe take advantage of his inexperience, and and I'm sure they're going to change a few things up, knowing that the Seahawks had them figured out last time. So, you know, Doug Pearson's a great offensive mind. They're going to find ways to scheme it up and, and be dangerous.
part of this matchup is just knowing what to expect in Philly. And it was an anomaly in both teams' schedules. If you take a look at the numbers, one of the worst performances by Russell Wilson in the offense. And you could say the same thing, as you've mentioned, for Carson Wentz and the Eagles. And Pete Carroll talked about one of those factors that we didn't talk about a whole lot after the game, but certainly came into play. The wind in that stadium had an effect on both teams. And both teams' passing game, uh, and it's it's going to be almost exactly the same. It sounds, you know, it's going to be about 50 mile an hour winds and low 40s or high 30s or whatever. Um, very similar to that same setting that we that we played in, and we'll be better because of it. You know, the, we saw the ball that they threw a couple times, you know, got moved, and uh, it happened to to Russ and to the receivers a couple times. We need to be better at, at handling that, and uh, it's it's an unusual. Uh, condition in that stadium because the wind isn't that strong, but yet it has a big effect because of the way it, it, it swirls in and out. So we got to do a nice job with that. Could you tell that from the press box? I mean, I can feel it on the sidelines, but could you see that from up high? Yeah, well, there's the flags up at the top of the stadium were blowing like crazy. So you knew there was wind, but sometimes what you're seeing up high is different than what's on the field. When I really had a hunch that it was becoming a factor was Michael Dixon's first punt, if you remember that thing. He tried to kind of hit a low into the wind punt, and he didn't hit it well at all, and it gave them the short field. They turned into what was their only score until the end of the game. Um, and then, yeah, we saw some passes from both quarterbacks get away. There's a deep ball that DK Metcalf would tell you we should have caught, but it was compounded by the ball moving around in the air, and it made for a trickier catch than it would normally be. So, yeah, it was it it was probably I'm sure you felt it more on the field than we could see up above, but it was obvious that that was a factor for both passing games, as Pete Carroll said. Yeah, and you know I wonder if that played into the fact that Carson Wentz had one pass that went 20 yards, and that was in garbage time. That that was the touchdown. Yeah. at the end and, of the game. I mean, game. they don't. That's not their game. They don't throw deep, especially without you know Deshaun Jackson and all the weapons they expected to have there. You know, you look at the yard per attempt average over the course not just of this year, but of Wentz's career. He's not known as a quarterback who chucks it downfield a ton, but, yeah, I'm sure the weather limited that even more. And, of course, the Seahawks were on top of their game when it comes to turnovers. We've mentioned the loss of Michael Kendricks. The Seahawks could get a huge boost back in the secondary with Quandre Dix. Yeah, they're really hoping to have him back. He did practice Wednesday. You know, he's smart, and he's not going to guarantee anything because he understands he's got to get through the week, but everybody's pretty optimistic that has a good shot to happen, and man, he's he's been such a good player for the Seahawks since they brought him in. Forced four turnovers in his first four games before he got hurt in his fifth game. Three interceptions, one of which was a pick six, and a forced fumble against the Eagles, I believe, which he recovered. So, yeah, he's a guy that he can be a real difference maker, and for a defense that has relied on turnovers to kind of help them go, getting him back would be huge. So when you think about him coming back, so you've got now another DB that you can put into nickel. You think about Kendricks being out. One of the reasons the Seahawks have played base defense all year is they like having Kendricks on the field because you want to be able to stop the run. Last week, just nine snaps of nickel defense for the Seahawks. So what does this mean going forward? I, well, here's the thing. If, if you just told me all those factors, I'd say they're probably going to play more nickel. But in the two games Kendricks missed earlier, they stuck with playing really heavy base when it was Cody Barton. So – Based off what we've seen in the past, I think they'll still stick with that. A lot of it will be dictated by what the Eagles do. If the Seahawks can get ahead and the Eagles have to throw more, then we'll see more nickel. It's been, you know, one thing that didn't really get brought up much the last couple weeks, it's been Ugo Amadi. And at first it was Ugo Amadi because Akeem King was filling in for Shaquille Griffin. Last week, Shaquille Griffin back and Ugo was still the nickel. So, you know, again, matchups can dictate that with tight ends. Maybe we see more Akeem King, but 
yeah, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend to know what they're going to do because last time Kendricks got hurt, I thought we'd see more nickel, and then we saw a lot of Cody Barton. So we'll see what they do. Well, let's flip it around and talk about the Seahawks' offense against the Eagles' defense, and I guess we could just say against Fletcher Cox. Yeah, he's good. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's he's a handful. One of those, you know, those rare interior linemen that can just wreck a game plan for you. And you know, don't get me wrong, Joey Hunt's been awesome filling in for Justin Britt, but he can physically sometimes be, you know, he's he's not a huge guy. Let's just say that. So. Sometimes those big, powerful defensive tackles can make it tough on him. He's going to have to play a really good game, as are their guards. And, you know, they, they need to – not that Russell Wilson can't play well when he's getting pressured, but you don't want him getting sacked five, six times again, which he's been – that's been happening a lot lately, and they need to clean that up for this offense to be better. Well, in the last time against the Eagles, yeah, the defense recorded six sacks against Russell Wilson, 11 quarterback hits. And you do wonder how much that affected Russell's numbers where he completed just 13 of 25 passes for 200 yards. That's not a Russell Wilson. We talked a little bit about the win, but still, yeah. that's not a Russell Wilson-type performance. No, that was, not, that was one of his worst games this year. And, yeah, the pressure makes a difference. If He's you know, he's a guy that can – we saw it in, in the 49ers game this past week. He, he can thrive under pressure if it's stuff that he's able to avoid and move around and – you know, they, as Pete Carroll said, they did a good job blocking within his movement of, you know, kind of setting stuff up where he'd roll out and then they'd pick a guy up on the block. And, and it wasn't traditional pass blocking, but it worked out well in this pass game. And maybe that's more what you need than just it won't always be sitting in the pocket for three seconds, four seconds, but be able to keep him clean even if he's moving around because, yeah, you, you can't have six sacks. No. And Joey Hunt needs to hold up, not just at the point of attack against Fletcher Cox, but truly needs to hold up for the rest of the year because Ethan Posick was placed on IR. Yeah. He would be your backup center. So now you're looking at Jordan Roos as being your backup center, uh, which, you know, I, I don't think you want to put press him into service in that yeah, role in the guy playoffs. he's never done it before in a game. That It'd be better to stick with Joey Hunt. And the Seahawks are down perhaps a couple of weapons on offense. We know that Jerron Brown injured his knee. He's not playing. We saw John Ursua pick up that big first down. We also heard Pete say that he needed to have stayed in the end zone. That was a learning lesson for the rookie. But do expect to see more of what he can bring in the offense. When everybody gets to see John play, you're going to really be excited about him. He's such a natural athlete, and he's got magnificent body control and quickness. Uh, he's, he's got excellent quickness the kind of getting in and out of your brakes and change direction stuff that you know that the best guys have uh he's got a terrific catching range he's really a good leaper um and uh it's just a matter of time i think he, he could be a terrific inside receiver for us as well as moving him around but i think the run after catch might be a, a special part of it you know, he scored more touchdowns than anybody in college football his, his last year you can see why we, we do our mailbags every week, and I get more questions about John Ursua than just about any player who was inactive most of the season that I've ever seen. Fans love him, and I get it. He looked really good in the preseason. It's a position where naturally guys can, can stand out and fans notice him. And look, between the fact that he maybe didn't have a special teams role and just the depth they had there, he, he couldn't get on the field. But he's a guy if they need to count on, I think they're really excited about what he could be. We'll see what happens. Malik Turner's got a concussion. Him being back this week would help their depth quite a bit. But if he can't go and you're down to four guys, or Sue is going to have to play a decent role in that game. And 
he, you know, I think give him give him some shots. He'll make some plays. And I wonder how much the Seahawks do go to some of that quick passing game, just based on what we saw in the second half against the Niners. They look completely different than the first half when they were pushing the tempo a little bit. Yeah. That's when they were getting their yards and scoring their points. And so. I think Ursu is a kind of receiver who could really thrive in those situations because he's that quick, sudden, you know, slot type receiver where if you're trying to get the ball out quick, those are the guys a lot of times who can get open quickly for you. Yeah. It'll be, a, it'll be an interesting matchup, and now I'm going to put you on the spot. What are the two things you need to see in order to get a Seahawks win? I need that pass rush we saw against Eagles last time and against the 49ers in Week 10. They need to get that back, whether it's Clowney getting going. Ziggy Ansah had a really good game against the Eagles last time. Whatever it is, get some sacks, affect Carson Wentz, and I think with that would come the turnovers. So that's what I want to see on defense. I'm going to go to special teams for the other one. They, they've been really solid on special teams all year, but I want a game-changing, whether it's a big return, a blocked kick, a trick play. I want something that could really, you know, if not a direct score, create a, you know, flip the field, get a score kind of situation. Something, something big moment on special teams. I'm going to say that I need to see at least one interception by the defense. I'm going to guess it's Quandre Diggs, but I'm not going to be picky. If somebody else wants to get in there, We'll let somebody else get in there. That's nice of you. Yeah, and I'd like to see Russell get those attempts back up. You know, the last time we mentioned just 25 attempts, 13 completions. I'd like to see him complete between 25 and 30. They can be short passes. We don't have to go all the way down the field. But get that tempo up so that you've got enough plays to actually get the offense in a rhythm and do exactly what we saw in the second half against the Niners. I think if they do what you think they should do and what I think they should do, we will be talking about another playoff game next week. Let's do it. You will have to tune in to find out. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Seahawks Insiders Podcast.